Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. We encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com. Pick the giving option that works best for you and help us to continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message. One of the privileges, I think, in being a pastor is that we are allowed to be and have privy to different individual lives. We get to know what's going on in your world. And, and if you're sharing a celebration, we're, man, we're praising God with you. If you're going through something difficult, the loss of a loved one, the loss of a job, a relationship that ends, or financial difficulty, or health problems, whatever it is, and man, we're praying with you. We're hugging necks. We're hanging on to each other through it as well. It's been an interesting year, 2018. We've always heard that, you know, you're either going into trouble, you're in the middle of your trouble, or you're on your way out of your trouble. And it seems like here lately, most of my friends, most of my pastor friends have been going through some very difficult times. It seems like, you know, a lot of communication and conversation in the lobby and over the cell phone has been with people in our church, our church family, that are dealing with some very, very difficult times in this season of your life. So the questions ask, what do you want for the rest of your life? I don't know about you, but the longer I live, the more miracles I need. I'm willing to do what I can do. Take the steps God wants me to take. Make the phone calls. Do the work. Whatever it is. God, you just tell me what my part in this thing is and I'll do it. But so many times I find that there are situations that are completely out of my control. That if there is not a God intervention when it comes to this issue, I don't know how I'm going to make my way out of it. Well, I bet that there are many of you people here today that would say that's what I need. The rest of my life, I'm going to need more miracles. Whether they're little miracles or they're big miracles, whether they're miracles that deal with a relationship or finances or a job or health or one of my loved ones that are going through I need God's intervention in this situation. Well, my son has asked me to take the next two Sundays today, and let me be 20 minutes left, and, and next week to be able to talk to you about this whole idea of how you can have a miracle happen in your life over and over again. And I'm going to read it, and, and, and here's the thing, I may run down some rabbit trails, I'm going to take my time, just follow me down those rabbit trails, I haven't lost my mind, I'll get back to the main path before the end of next week. But I'm going to just talk for a little while, shut it down about the top of the hour, then pick it up again next week. But I want to start with this incredible story of a miracle that Jesus brings in the Gospel of Mark, because it's one of my favorite. Mark chapter 8, verse 22 on the side screen, when they arrived at Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus, and they begged him, touch the man and heal him. Jesus took the man by the hand, and he led him out into the village. He didn't actually do what they told him to do, did he? And then he spit in the man's eyes. Well, that's, he spit in his eyes. Well, that wasn't what he asked for. He laid his hands on him and asked, can you see anything now? The man looked around and said, yes, he said, I see people, but I can't see them very clearly. They look like trees walking around. Well, let me ask you a question. If the man had been blind, how would he know what a tree looked like? Is it possible that he may have once had his sight and then he lost it? 
So the miracle really is more about getting back something good that he had lost in the past. Maybe he lost it because it was, had nothing to do with him, or maybe he lost it because of a decision that he had made, something good that he had in his life that he lost, but now he desperately wanted it back. And then Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes. Everybody read the next word. Did the first touch not work? Did Jesus somehow fail in the miracle with the first touch? Have you ever found yourself better, but not really where you want to be yet? Could it be that you too need another touch? Hmm. After doing this, his eyes were opened, his sight completely restored, and he could see everything clearly. And Jesus sent him away saying, uh, don't go back to that place. Don't go back to the people you were hanging with. Don't go back to the place where you were hanging around. That job's over. Those people are in your past. Your miracle is leading you a new place. Take your miracle home. Father God, we love you so much. And I believe there are people in this room that need a God touch. Father, our lives are better, but oh Lord, we need another touch from you. We need a miracle. We need that which only you can do in a situation that we're dealing with. And we're going to need you again and again and again. So, Father, I pray today and next week, I pray, Lord, that you would please show us. Father, I don't believe that there's a formula here in this passage for a miracle, but I believe there are important principles here. We've got to know it's going to set up our next God intervention from you. So, bless us, I pray. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, since we're approaching the end of another year, I always like to do some reminder-type teaching, to be able to talk about a few things that, you know, we've already learned in the past, but to bring them up again. The first thing I want to remind us about is why Jesus came in the first place. What caused Jesus to leave heaven, to allow himself to be wrapped in human flesh, to be born of a virgin and then placed in a manger, to live a life here on this planet in a time and a stage where things were not easy? and where he wasn't really treated correctly. What would cause him to do that? Well, fundamentally, the main reason why Jesus came on that first Christmas morning was so that you and I might have a life that lasts forever. The Bible says the reason that Jesus came was so that you and I could experience everlasting life with him. It's John 3.16. You've seen it a number of times. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. And here it is. But have everlasting life. Now why is this gift of everlasting life so important? Well, because of this. This is a timeline of all eternity. God said that his love for us goes from everlasting to everlasting. So his love and God's existence goes from everlasting back to the past, and it goes to everlasting off into our future. And somewhere on this timeline is you. Can you all see you? That, that, can you see it? That's you. Look how, look how little you are. You're so cute. And there you are. That is you. You were born on a certain date. And let me just run it, run it down for you. You were born here. You were a toddler here. You went to elementary age school here. 
you were a teenager learning how to drive here, and then you maybe got some more education or you got a job, and then you met somebody, and you married them, and then you had a baby here, and then they were toddlers here, and then you're raising elementary age school, and you're a taxi cab driver here, and then they're teenagers here, and they're freaking you out, and then over here, they move out of your house, and you're empty nesters. And then over here, you're, you know, you're starting to get that retirement age. And then over here, you start to travel a little bit and you start to have a little more fun. And here comes the grandkids and then they start taking all your money again. And then, and then, and then you die. Right there, right there. Now, your heavenly father could have put you on this timeline way back here in the 1600s. He could have said, no, 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 you're going to be back here at 407 AD. He could have moved you back on the timeline to the Old Testament, to one of the families in the Old Testament. No, no. He brought you way up here and dropped you into this time and in this space. Can you imagine what would be happened to your life if he would just have moved you back 100 years? You know what that would mean? No cell phone, no PC, no internet service, and no microwave ovens. Do you know why he didn't put anybody in this crowd back 100 years ago? Because there's nobody in this church that's tough enough to have lived 100 years ago. We like being able to go over to a wall, take a little knob, and change the entire atmosphere into our house with force heat, force air. But isn't that something that he privileged you so much that he said, I'm going to put you in time and space right here, and I'm going to let you go to right, right there. And isn't it interesting that we probably are living in the easiest time in all of history, and yet the people on the planet complain more right now than any other generation in all of history? Well, God never made your body to last forever. And he tells us over and over again that this is not your home. And then he says concerning your dash on this timeline, it is going to be very short. It is going to go by very quickly. You do not know when this time is coming, and it's also going to be full of trouble, he said. It's going to be full of trouble. Now, I don't know when this end will be for you. I don't. I mean, I like what George H.W. Bush said. His philosophy of life was to die young after living as many years as possible. And he died at the age of, what, 92 or so. Uh, Jill Buck, right here for Jill Buck. Remember her? 90. Michelle Ferguson, you all remember her? 55. You remember Delaney here in our city? What was she, like 14? So I don't know exactly what this is, but God tells us over and over again, okay, it's going to be brief, going to go by quickly. You don't know when the end is, and it's going to be full of trouble. Now, we live in a time where there's all kinds of offenses that are taking place. You can't, people are offended over baby it's cold outside and Charlie Brown stuff and every, boy, everybody's upset about everything. Everybody's all sensitive about this, sensitive about that. And, and, and even though we live in the easiest time ever, there's going to be lost people that still try to put their lost 
ungodly opinions on you. There are going to be people that are lost that are going to act lost around you. There are going to be people that do not believe in the existence of God nor want to do their life with God that are going to try to put that on you in the news, that on you in their philosophy, just made up state. They're going to put it all over and get offended at you if you don't go along with it. Those of you that know my story know that I was once a man trapped in a woman's body. And then I was born in 1958. Some of you were born in 1942, some of you 1983, some of you 1990-something, right? And God said, it's going to be quick, it's going to be full of trouble, and you're not going to know when it's going to be over down here. And then he says to us this, he tells us not only are we going to have a life that's full of trouble, but he tells us what to do in this life of full of trouble. He says in John chapter 16, verse 33, you, you would not believe the air I feel going out of that room just a minute ago. He said, these things have I spoken unto you. He said that you might have peace. In this world, you're going to have tribulation, trouble, trials, difficulties. But be of good cheer. And look what the word good cheer means. It means to express happiness, excitement, and encouragement. It means to have a sense of general well-being and optimism. So what he's saying is in this very brief life of yours, your attitude and your mindset needs to be different as my children from everybody else on the planet. And then he says this, and when you go through stuff and when you need stuff, just ask me for it along the way. In this, just ask me for what you need, and you will have needs. He tells us this on the side screen, James 4, verse 3. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't want. Come on. You don't ask God for it. James chapter 1, verse 5 says, if you need wisdom, everybody read it. Ask our generous God, and he'll give it to you. He will give it to you. Well, now Why? Well, because he knows that in your life you're going to have all kinds of needs when it comes to resources. Let's just let this barrel right here represent your life. And your life is going to need money. You're going to need energy. You're going to need wisdom and intellect when it comes to relationships working. You're going to need all this kind of resource coming into your life. Because this down here is what's called a spending spigot. This is your spending spigot, and it is always on. In December, it is cranked wide open. <laughs> At other times, you may say, that's it, the credit cards are too high, we're, we're going to shut her down, we're going to just, and you might even get mad enough to say, no spending, no spending at all the month of January and February, but you can't close that off. No, I ain't spending nothing. Did you wake up to a warm house this morning? Did you turn on a light switch? Did you hop in an automobile and drive to church today? Here's my point. You will never turn off that spending spigot. Never. Now, 
when do you think the spending spigot of your life will be turned off? Because it hollered out. Uh, yeah, you would think so when you die. But the truth is, somebody else will turn off that spending spigot of your life about a month or two later. You will never turn it off. So then you're born again, going to heaven self, who needs a lot of things. And God said, if you need him, ask me for it. The Bible also said God takes great pleasure in the prosperity of his children. Now, when he saved you, he did not fill up your life with all the resources you would need. He said, you ask me for them along the way by changing your attitude and changing your mindset. You can keep a poverty mindset that you grew up with, and you can live below this spending spigot for the rest of your life. You can bring that poverty mindset up to a barely get by mindset, and you can live with your inflow right at the edge of that spigot where, ah, today we got a little bit of something, ah, tomorrow we don't have enough, ah, we don't have any reserves, tomorrow we'll get something. You can live right here, or you can live with a more than enough mindset. You can live with an abundant life mindset or you can live with an overflow mindset. But that's up to you. If you line up your words and line up your thinking with what saith the word of God, if you ask him for those things that you need, if you then believe and expect that I am a child of God who is loved by God, I'm not living here anymore with a, with a, with a, with a, a mentality of barely getting by. I'm, not, I'm gonna live with a more than enough, an abundant or even an overflow. Now, the difference between those of us who live at those different levels is this. We made our mind up what level we will live at in this life. It's very short anyway. Why live it down at the bottom of the barrel? When God says, I have unlimited resources that you will never exhaust. Let's just say you take your favorite camping coffee mug and you go out to where you're camping in front of a beach. Let me, let me help you with a picture. You walk out into that warm water of that ocean about ankle deep, and that water represents all the resources that you will ever need in your life to be filled up into this particular barrel. Let's just say you reach down and you lap a little water up from the ocean, and you walk it back to this barrel, and you pour it in. And you go back to the ocean, and you lap up another cup, and you walk back to your life, and you pour in that resource. And then you do it again, and you do it again. How long will it take for you to exhaust that resource into your life? Would you say it's inexhaustible? Look what God said. God said, oh, how inexhaustible are God's resources and God's wisdom and God's knowledge. He goes on to say the universe owes its origin to him. And the word inexhaustible, guys, is the incapable, it's incapable of being entirely consumed. It is a supply that can never run out. Some of you have learned this. Some of you have learned that I can't exhaust, give me that ocean again. I can't exhaust all of the resources that God has laid up for me. That he loves me. He, he rejoices in the prosperity of my life. He's made it available to me. And I am not going to live on a poverty level. I'm not going to live on a barely get by level. I'm okay with a more than enough, but I'd rather have an abundant. And I would love to have an overflow to leave a whole bunch more for the people that I love behind me. And you decide that. 
You say, well, I thought salvation, when I got saved, I got it all. No. Sometimes you needed a second touch. And you know where that touch is going to be? In the way that you think and in the way that you speak. You see, salvation didn't change everything about you. Salvation changed your eternal home. But listen, I'll bet that if you knew how to cuss somebody out when you were, before you were saved, you could still cuss somebody out. I'll bet if you knew how to roll a joint before you got saved, you still know how to roll a joint. So what has to change? Your mindset and the way that you think. So many people in the Fellowship Church have learned this very fact. The fact that God says it's impossible to please Him without faith. So I'm going to live a life that is full. I'm going to live a life that is overflowing. I'm going to live a life that is being blessed. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20 says, Now unto him who is able to do far abundantly beyond that which we, what? Everybody say it. Ask, or what's the other word? Think, according to the power that works within us. Now see, if your asking and your thinking is down here, God doesn't have to do very much more to be over and above that which you ask or think. But if your asking and thinking is way up here, God's promise still has to kick in at a whole nother level that is above that. And that is all a mindset, not a salvation issue. I was talking to my son a few weeks back and I, I told him, I said, uh, Dan, I would like for my role at Fellowship Church to change a little bit. And he said, well, sure, Dad, what, what, do, you, what do you want to do? And I said, you know, I would like to take on more of a grandfather pastor role in our church. And he said, well, you're kind of already that. What do you mean? I said, well, I want to take on a role where I only see the best in our people. I want to take a role on a role where I try to bring that very best out of them. Try to help them be able to be of good cheer through the difficult times in their life, where they're optimistic, where they're, they're seeing how much God loves them, where they understand that this isn't out of reach for them. No matter what kind of family they grew up in, they can, they can have that kind of life because it's already in them. It's already in them. And I want to be that kind of pastor to them. I want to speak things into their life that'll change them, that'll encourage them, that'll bless them. I want to be that kind of grandfather pastor. And he said, well, go for it. So I just want to tell you guys today, and I want you to listen very closely. There are only, dear born-again child of God, two things that you have to do differently in this world to be able to live a super-blessed, abundant life. Are you ready? You have to change the way you speak, and you have to change the way you think. And if you do that, your entire life will be changed around it. If you don't, you won't look any different than the rest of the people that are on this planet. I, from time to time, have been stuck in my life. And I'm an asker. Boy, I tell you, I, there's nothing I don't talk to God about. I ask him about everything. I talk to him about whatever it might be. I have a conversation with God about it. If I need something, I say, Lord, will you, will you, Lord I need something. And I'm not the kind of guy that goes, give me the ocean again, give me that ocean. I'm not the kind of guy that goes before God's unexhaustible resources and say, he, can I have a 50 cent an hour raise, Lord, a 50 cent an hour raise? 
because I'm not a panhandler. I am a born-again child of the Most High God who owns it all and who loves me and will give me whatever I ask Him. So I ask a lot. I expect a lot, and I've gotten a lot. But there's been times where I've been stuck. And every time that I get stuck, I come to this conclusion. I didn't ask big enough. This one didn't stretch God. No matter what I ask, wouldn't stretch God. And so if I'm stuck, you know what I do? I raise the stakes on what I'm asking for. Everybody read this with me. I want you to get it. Come on. If you seem stuck in a certain place in your life and your prayer for getting out of it and moving forward has been working. Everybody read it. Make your... Very good. I'll see y'all next Sunday. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans 10, 9. You can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on a cross for my sins, and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life, and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed that prayer for the first time, or if you need prayer, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or at prayer at fellowshipgj.com. Thanks again. We hope to see you next week.